0: This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. What is the most dangerous tool for a Republican politician to be holding in their hand? A sword, because they're always looking to fall on it in an act of self-flagellation. Welcome to the program. You know, I just... I. I just can't figure this out. Why are Republican politicians always walking around looking for defeat? They're always in search of defeat. Even when victory is staring him in the face, they somehow try to turn victory into defeat. Why do they do this? I recently came across an article on Governor. Nikki Haley of South Carolina, I talked about this earlier, but I want to get a little bit more in depth into it because this is a symptom of a bigger problem as it relates to the conservative movement and why so many conservatives right now have had it with the Republican Party and with the Republican Party establishment. This is why they're turning on them. This is from political.com. It says, Nikki Haley calls for GOP to rethink their approach to race relations. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley called on the Republican Party to do a better job of reaching out to minorities and combating racial tension. The Republicans haven't created any racial tension, the kind that is sweeping the nation. That's what I mean when I say falling on the sword. I don't know if this is Governor Haley's attempt to improve her bona fides to be a vice presidential nominee, but I'm not impressed. And I like Nikki Haley, but I'm not impressed. And this didn't just start. It started after that horrible tragedy in South Carolina. The church shooting, nine people in prayer slaughtered by Dylan Foote, a white racist. And now the Republican Party has to apologize and do, do things to flaunt their racial sensitivity. They do this all the time. They do it with immigration. They do it on every issue of race. They do it on gender. Fall on the sword. When in doubt, fall on the sword. Don't fight. Capitulate. Fall on the sword. It's as almost as if it's some sort of sport. If if falling on the sword were an Olympic sport, the Republican politicians and their establishment class would sweep the medals. Gold, silver, and bronze. Because they're good at it, they practice it all the time. It's almost a nat- natural reaction whenever some sensitive issue is held up in front of them. I'll fall on the sword. Whenever there's an issue of race, you, you, the, the Republican politicians tell their aides, "Quick, go find me a sword so I can fall on it here." That's what Nikki Haley's doing here. She says the Republican Party needs to do a better job of reaching out to minorities. And combating racial tension. What are the Democrats doing to reach out to minority? They have destroyed the black family. They have destroyed single-handedly with their policies the black community. They've eviscerated the black man from family life separated him from his children, estranged him, marginalized him, made him irrelevant. That's reaching out to minorities? That's the mindset of a psychopath that would do something like that to an entire race of people. But yet Nikki Haley thinks... The Republican Party needs to do a better job of reaching out to minorities and combating racial tension. President Barack Obama is leading the course. He is the maestro in the racial tension that exists in the United States right now. What has he done to combat racial tension? He's poured gasoline on a smoldering fire. When have you ever heard a Democrat say... We need to rethink our position on abortion, and in light of in light of what's happened at Planned Parenthood. When have you ever heard the Democrat Party say, or Democrats say, the Democrat Party has to rethink their position on runaway spending and big government? Never. They never rethink their position on anything. It's always Charge, fight, charge, fight. The Republicans are always, their they're feet stuck in the mud. Oh, we got to do something to combat racial tension and, and, and improve outreach to the black community. I'm not saying the Republican Party has been very effective in their outreach for minorities. I think the strategy's wrong, but it isn't as if they're, they're not trying. But it's the Republicans that have to do something. You know, to me, this attitude by Governor Haley is a symptom of a bigger problem. And I think that problem is a reluctance by too many Republican politicians to fight. They don't have any fight in them. They run around scared. It goes on in this article to say, Nikki Haley, who's uh, an American Indian, and is often discussed as a potential pick for vice president, said the GOP has trouble articulating issues of race properly. She said, despite having policies that would be good for everyone, the party often appears cold and unwelcoming to minorities. That's a shameful, that is shameful and has to change. What is she talking about? Cold and unwelcoming? You mean the party who fought to end slavery? Who led the charge in Congress? Abraham Lincoln and the Republican Congress? When the Democrats in the South opposed ending slavery? You mean that kind of cold and unwelcoming? Do you mean when the Republicans led the charge on the Civil Rights Act? When the Democrats in Congress. Opposed it. You mean that kind of cold and unwelcoming? The myth that the Republican Party is cold and unwelcoming to minorities is exactly that. It's a myth that has been perpetuated by the Democrat Party. Part of the problem is the Republicans always lose the argument. I I mean, think about this. Every time an issue comes up on the debt ceiling vote in Congress, the Republicans flee. Because if there's a government shutdown, the Republicans will get blamed, we hear. So, oh, we can't do that. We have to capitulate to the Democrats. Even though we're $18 trillion in debt, we have to capitulate because we'll get blamed, afraid of a fight. They're always looking for defeat this is what uh, I keep saying it, this is why Donald Trump, Ben Carson Carly Fiorina are 1, 2, and 3 right now in the polls and it's early for the Republican nomination conservatives have had it with the establishment party the establishment class of the Republican party we're going to talk some more about this David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. My oldest is on her seventh year of Chinese, and, um, and and just started high school. Now, what do you think by the time she's ready for college? What do you think will serve her better? What is more exceptional, speaking Spanish or speaking Chinese? Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. I'm talking about Governor Nikki Haley, South Carolina, and some recent comments she made in a article about the Republican Party where she uh, says that the Republican Party has to do a better job of reaching out to minorities and combating racial tension. She says the Republican Party oftentimes appears cold and unwelcoming to minorities. That's shameful and has to to, to change. If you take a look at the Democrat Party, they supported slavery. They supported Jim Crow. They started the KKK. And it was Republicans that fought that in terms of policy, freed the slaves, passed the Civil Rights Act, ended Jim Crow. And yet it's the Republicans that have to do a better job of, all, I don't know what more. And she should have been, she should have explained this more, expanded on it. But what more do they need to do? She's, she already fell on her sword. But see, that's the thing with when you're dealing with the Democrats, nothing is ever enough. Now, I talked about that horrible situation and in, uh, that, 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 that uh, incident in South Carolina, the church, where Dylan Roof, I called him Dylan, Dylan Foote before, my mistake. Dylan Roof went in and slaughtered nine people in prayer who were in prayer. How did Dylan Roof become a symbol of conservatives in the Republican Party? I don't get that. Every presidential candidate on the Republican side had to publicly disavow. Dylan Roof the Confederate flag and I thought when did he become the property of when did Roof become the property of the Republican Party? And if you didn't publicly condemn Dylan Roof and the and the Confederate flag the liberal mainstream media turned around and implied that that was tacit approval for what happened. And so again, they had to run around falling on their sword, as if everyone in America didn't know that what happened down there was horrific. So what happened? The Confederate flag became that victory that the Democrats were looking for. See, they're always looking for victory while the Republicans are looking for defeat. They knew darn well, the Democrats. That Confederate flag had nothing to do with what happened in that church in Charleston, South Carolina. Had nothing to do with them. With the Republicans. When I said they had nothing, they knew that. But they go around, they look for little victories. A little win. It's why they always come back on the mass shootings to gun control. They get their agenda list out and they say, let's see what we can accomplish on our agenda here with this tragedy. And we're all appalled. You know, Republicans and conservatives, we look and, you know, shame on them. And they don't care about how it looks. They're always looking for victory. How can we get a little victory? A little win. A little win. We don't do that on the Republican side. They don't do that. They don't look for little victories. You want me to give them a little victory? Right now, Margaret Sanger's bust sits in the Smithsonian Institute in the civil rights section. Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Genocide, or what used to be known in some circles as Planned Parenthood, she was a genocidal maniac. She was a monster, a racist, who came up with this idea of the Negro Project to exterminate blacks from America through abortion. She's a monster. Her bus sits in the same section as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. How can this be? There is victory staring the Republican Party right in the face. The Republicans on Capitol Hill should demand, demand that that bus be removed. Now here you have the black pastors, some black pastors, a group of black pastors. They sent a letter to uh, the Smithsonian, and they asked that Margaret Sanger's bus be removed from the National Portrait Gallery. It's, it's under the struggle for justice. She is a racist, eugenist, homicidal, I'm sorry, genocidal maniac who wanted to exterminate blacks. Why don't the Republican uh, politicians on Capitol Hill get behind this? Get behind the black pastors. There would be a win. Put the pressure on the Smithsonian Institute. Remove that bust. Remember that phrase, take it down, as the Democrats were using about the Confederate flag? Take it down co co-op that, co-op that slogan, take it down, remove her bust from the Smithsonian. That would be looking for victory. But they just ignore that one. Our side needs a win. I get that from Rudy Giuliani. He says, on the way to, to getting to your big agenda, look for small victories along the way. You know why you do that? You know why the Democrats do it? Because it gives your followers and and your supporters confidence that, hey, if we can win here, we can win the big stuff. That's why the Democrats went after the Confederate flag. They knew nothing in America would, would, would change. They knew the Confederate flag had nothing to do with what happened in that church in Charleston. Dylan Roof was wearing a pair of denim jeans. Why didn't we ban those as well as the Confederate flag? He was wearing construction boots. Why didn't we ban those while we were at it? That's why I was against removing that flag. Not be, Because I said, the flag has nothing to do with it. Don't give them a win. Everywhere I went, I said, don't give them a win. And don't let people tell, oh, so you support the Confederate flag? Don't run from that and don't even answer it. See, we get caught up in that. And then all of a sudden, if we don't say, oh, well, you know, the flag has to come down. They say, well, you're tacitly approving what happened over there. And I would say, don't talk stupid. That would be my response. Don't talk stupid. The Democrats are seizing on this for a win. Take the flag down. So the flag came down, right? Nikki Haley falling on the sword. That was her authority to do that. That's fine. She's elected by the people of of, uh, South Carolina. The legislature elected. They voted to take it down. But again, they were just falling on the sword. Because there was no move by the legislature or the governor to call for that flag to come down the day before Dylan Roof went into that church and slaughtered nine black people. Oh, and the flag was no big deal. It was no big deal after either. But they gave the Democrats a win out of that horrible tragedy. Where's our win? I mean, this gets, it gets real discouraging. It really does. So, I, you know, I just, I don't want to hear about how You know, Donald Trump's not a real conservative, and, um, you know, Ben Carson isn't this, and Carla Fiorina isn't that. We're tired of the status quo of the Republican Party. And I still don't think they get it. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. I mean, there are still laws on the books in many, many states in this country, by the way, that make adultery illegal, believe it or not. It is against the law to cheat on your wife or your husband. There are reasons for this, right? You're trying to create a certain kind of society. I know this is sounding pretty anti-libertarian, but I mean, you know, this idea that we're going to create a marriage utopia by pulling the government out of everything. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> David Clark, the People's Sheriff. You know, when I say the, the Republican political class doesn't get it, they don't understand us, they're not in touch, they don't have their finger on the pulse of conservatives and maybe even mainstream America for that matter. You know, look at this whole issue over Immigration on the birthright issue. Well, you had Republican candidates for president running around talking about, uh, oh, birthright means any child born in the United States, it's clear. No, it's not. And no, it doesn't. And no, we shouldn't grant it. Fight. That would be a fight. The ones who stood up and said, no, birthright is not automatic. The um, Supreme Court case of 1896, I believe, Wong Kim Ark was very clear. You have to be legally established in the United States for your kid to be born a U.S. citizen. It is very unambiguous. I mean, you have some states now on immigration, you know, setting up sanctuary cities. The Republican political class should have jumped all over that. We, the people, had to beg them to defund sanctuary cities. We're begging them, and they're running around hemming and hawing while we'll hold some hearings. I don't think those hearings are going to lead to much. I believe that this time next year, I believe post-2016 presidential election, we'll still be talking about defunding sanctuary cities. They're not going to back off. Why? Because the Democrats never retreat. I didn't hear any Democrat mayor. I didn't hear the mayor of San Francisco say the Democratic Party needs to rethink our position on sanctuary cities. No, they didn't. Because they fight. I mean, you have some states issuing driver's license, a driver's license, to illegal aliens, illegal immigrants, a driver's license. That is a slippery slope toward establishing residency. Look at the issue of gun control. This universal background checks, which I vehemently oppose. Why? First of all, because there's no such thing. Number one. As universal background check. Number two, it has nothing to do with crime and violence that are destroying some great American cities in America right now. The Dems and the anti-gun movement, the anti-Second Amendment people are running around saying, uh, well we can reduce uh, violence by with universal background checks. No, we can't. That's been proven that will have no effect on crime and violence. Criminals will always be able to get a gun. Criminals will always get around the law. They'll always skirt the law. What that is for the anti-gun movement is one of those small victories. Let's get the Republican Congress to capitulate on universal background checks. And guess what? You have a growing number of Republican politicians on the Hill. Let's support it. I'm hearing it all the time from the media. Well, Sheriff, uh, you oppose universal background checks, but even a growing number of Republican politicians support universal background checks. This is what I'm talking about. They're running around looking for defeat. The Democrats call it common sense legislation. There's nothing common sense about it. It is an erosion of our freedom and liberty under the Constitution of the United States. That's what it is. It is not common sense. It is anti-freedom and anti-liberty. But the Republicans are, oh, well, we, we, we could do this. We, Where's my sword? Somebody go get my sword, quick. I want to say that I support universal background checks. Fall on the sword. Because of how it might make them look it always comes in the aftermath of some horrible tragedy. Sandy Hook. The uh, movie theater in Aurora, Colorado. Charleston, South Carolina. None of those cases had anything to do with universal background checks. In fact, the FBI screwed up on a standard background check that may have prevented Dylan Roof from getting the, the um, firearm that he used to slaughter nine people, but that doesn't mean that he wouldn't have gotten another firearm, okay? I know you get that, but the Republican politicians don't. It's how they come off looking to the Democrats. We want them to think nice of us. You know what, what, what Nikki Haley said? party appears cold and unwelcoming. (laughs) Yeah, cold and unwelcoming. You know who this party, the Republican Party, appears cold and unwelcoming to? Liberal Democrats. Very cold and unwelcoming because of what we stand for. Limited government, the rule of law, that the Constitution protects individuals, not groups, more rights for the states, military superiority. those are the five pillars for me that is very cold and unwelcoming to liberal Democrats. We're not trying to attract them. Executive amnesty is another one. Republican Party ran on capturing the Senate saying they would stop the Obama agenda. We will defund his executive amnesty. And then they went and they approved it. Why? Because Obama outsmarted them and hooked it onto the Cromnibus bill that would have shut the government down, even though it's not a government shutdown. See, we even use their language. My understanding, 20% of the government wouldn't be in operation if there's a government shutdown. The The most important aspects of it would. So what do you mean government shutdown? A full government shutdown is probably what we need. We're only talking about non-essential aspects of the overbloated federal government. would we'll cease to operate under a government shutdown? And What would the Republicans do? Well, we, we can't do that because we'll get blamed for it. And, and it might cost us in the next election. Always looking for defeat. This is amazing. This is why we're in the the predicament that we're in today. Look at the University of Texas, state institution. Here's another classic example. Recently, they removed the statue, a statue of Jefferson Davis, the old president of the uh, Confederacy. They removed a statue of Jefferson Davis from the campus, yet Margaret Sanger's bust still resides in the Smithsonian Institute. This is why, heard me say it, this is the appeal to Donald Trump, regardless of his position on on, Some issues that conservatives find important. I'm not asking anybody who's a conservative. I'm not. I'm not asking anybody to compromise their principles to support Donald Trump. I don't really know if it's Donald Trump that they support. It's his message. Can you imagine a message like that coming out of Jeb Bush? No. Chris Christie? No. Marco Rubio? No. Maybe Scott Walker, I can hear him talking like that. Carly Fiorina, maybe. I think she needs to tighten up a few things. I'll give you another area, we're going to get into that next. Criminal justice reform, another capitulation by Republican politicians. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stu. If he's going to run, I think he might He might do it this week. I mean, it's a good time to My, get in. Hillary Clinton is now being beaten in, I think, in New Hampshire by 11 points by Bernie Sanders. Right. 11 points she's losing. Unbelievable. I mean, both sides right now are completely unbelievable. Donald Trump should not be doing what he's doing by every previously considered metric. still up by 16, by the way. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network On Demand David Clark, the People's Sheriff Before I get into criminal justice reform this prison reform stupid idea that they mislabeled the left as at it again, smart on crime I want to finish out on this Nikki Haley, Governor Nikki Haley uh, uh, piece she says in here quote, there still remains the unfinished goals of the civil rights movement and the civil rights movement is a critical part of the American movement and the American story Governor, I'm sorry, but what unfinished goal is there of the civil rights movement? Please explain that. When the civil rights movement now defines itself and wraps itself around people like Mike Brown, who is engaged in felonious conduct as he strong-armed a convenience store clerk, when it's wrapped around Trayvon Martin, who was beating the crap out of George Zimmerman, when it's wrapped around Eric Garner, who's engaged in criminal behavior and resisting arrest, when it's wrapped around Freddie Gray with a long criminal history, when these criminals define the New Civil Rights Movement? That signals to me that the Civil Rights Movement has accomplished its objective. Because it used to be defined by people like Dr. Martin Luther King. It used to be defined by people like Rosa Parks. Now we have criminals who define unfinished goals of the Civil Rights Movement. And then finally... Governor Haley goes on to talk about this voter ID thing. Here's another situation where where we're trying to clean up our elections. Clean elections. Because when somebody goes out and fraudulently votes, that violates my constitutional right to vote because it cancels it out. So we have these voter ID laws that are Fought tooth and nail by the Democrats for obvious reasons. Because cheating, voter fraud, is part of their strategy to winning elections. And of course, the left says these laws are racist, and deny people the right to vote, disenfranchise people. So the left, that's how they combat it. That's how they, Remember, charge, fight. I've never heard a Democrat say, you know, we have to rethink our position on voter ID because it does clean up elections. You'll never hear a Democrat say that. So Governor Haley goes on to say about voter ID, I want everyone who is eligible to vote. Though she did acknowledge showing identification can be a burden for people who are poor, elderly, and disabled. Here we go again falling on the sword why is getting an id in the united states of america for which you need an id to do to perform just about everything why is that now all of a sudden a burden for black people for the elderly for the poor i don't know about you but i don't know too many elderly that do not have an id i just don't know any I don't know too many black people that do not have identification. You need it for just about anything or everything in America. To purchase alcohol, you need an ID. To get on an airplane, you need an ID. To get into certain functions, they say identification will be required. But now all of a sudden, black people cannot overcome this burden of being able to drive somewhere to get an ID, because the governor goes on to say, in South Carolina, we provide free rides to all people to get identification. And she promised to stand with Reverend Jesse Jackson anytime he wants to do a voter registration drive. First of all, I don't know why she would want to stand next to Jesse Jackson for anything except to shame him. But you see how we go out of our way when I say we? I'm talking about these Republican politicians of whom many of us support, so that's why I say we. Do you see how we go out of our way to find defeat? We have to flaunt our sensitivity by standing next to Jesse Jackson? Governor, was Al Sharpton not available? A voter registration drive? The Democrats know how to conduct voter registration drives without you standing next to them and you're providing free rides, why? Black people go to church, they don't have a problem getting there, they don't need free rides. They go to the grocery store, they don't need a free ride. They go to other functions, they travel freely all throughout the United States, they don't need a free ride, but now to get an ID we have to they all of a sudden we act as if they're infants. We we treat them in this infantile fashion now. We got to give them a ride, we got to give them a free ride, we got to give them lunch when they get there. We have to hold their hand every step of the way to get an ID. That's insulting, folks. We can figure this out. We have figured out Jim Crow, we have figured out slavery. We have figured out all other the forms of discrimination in this country, but now we need a free ride and we need our handheld to get an identification card. This is insane. All in an attempt to get the Democrats to like us. Maybe this is the governor's idea of outreach and, and uh, eliminating this, what often appears to be a cold and unwelcoming party to minorities. Let's give them free rides. This is stupid. And the Democrats are still not going to uh, lay down when it comes to voter ID. They're still challenging these in the federal courts. And they will continue to challenge these in the federal courts. They'll find new ways even when the court shoots it down. They will find some new constitutional tort, or some constitutional violation to challenge these voter ID laws. They will never say die because it is part of their shtick. Voter fraud. Cheat. I mean, what else do we have to do? Stop. Stop appeasing. They're never going to like you. And they're never going to go along with what you propose. It's just not going to happen. Excuse me. So then there's this criminal justice reform, which is nothing more, folks, than normalizing criminal behavior. It is a myth that we lock up large numbers of nonviolent offenders in prison. It is a myth. There is a myth about this term mass incarceration. But yet, I see Republicans now and in a future uh, segment, we're going to get deeply into how crazy this prison reform idea is. It is going to have a devastating effect on black communities, law-abiding people who have to live with these creeps? Why would we want to take a career criminal who we know has demonstrated time and time again that they're gonna engage in violent behavior, we get them dead to nuts, we arrest them, charge them, and then put them back in the community? I find that to be cruel and unusual punishment for good law-abiding black people. That's all we have time for today. I want to thank you for joining me, and we will see you next Saturday. God bless you. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff.